We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. From the Clark Ford Studio in Oxford, Mississippi, MBW Digital proudly presents the Oxford Exxon Podcast. I'd say thanks for tuning in. But why am I going to give you a round of applause for something you're supposed to do, to be frank? And now, here are your hosts, Chase Parham. And broadcast school has really paid off. And Neil McCready. I deserve to be on TV. Welcome into this Monday edition of the Oxford Exxon Podcast. I'm Neil McCready. Today on the show, one hour with uh, Chris Lee. Chris covers Vanderbilt for VandySports.com. It's part of the Rivals.com network. He also is part of southeastern14.com, which covers the SEC as a whole. Vanderbilt and Mississippi State meet starting tonight in the National Championship Series. Of course, that's not the big news out of Omaha. What is, is NC State um, forced to play with just 13 players because of COVID protocols. On uh, Friday, they lost a 3-1 to game to Vanderbilt on Friday that I guess had they won it, the season would be over right now. But they lost it, and then at 2 a.m. on Saturday, Vanderbilt was uh, granted a pass to the College World Series Championship Series because of COVID protocols, safety, all that stuff with uh, North Carolina State's baseball program. So Chris and I spent an hour talking about that decision, what led to it, what happened, Um at least in my opinion, the hypocrisy of it all. We talked about journalism. We talked about what will happen in football season as it pertains to vaccinating and unvaccinated players and testing and that type of thing and how this could repeat itself. And we talked about uh, the series between the Bulldogs and the Commodores. We talked about some other SEC stuff as well, including his thoughts on what went down with Mike Bianco and LSU and how that impacts him at Ole Miss moving forward. So a really good hour with Chris Lee of VandySports.com. I think you'll uh, I think you'll enjoy it. So I taped a podcast with Ryan Brown of out of Birmingham uh, on Friday. It was originally going to run on Monday. It's probably going to run on late Monday or Tuesday now, but a couple of podcasts uh, for you guys coming early this week, and then Chase Parham will uh, take over for me mid part of the week and get you through uh, the last part of the week is I'm going to be out of pocket, out of town, spending a little time recharging the battery. Before uh, we get to the interview with Chris, I want to tell you that we're brought to you by the Oxford Exxon, Highway 6 West in Oxford. 
be a great place to stop in and uh, fill up on your way into Oxford, on your way out of Oxford. Be also a great place this weekend to let them take some of the uh, pressure off of your 4th of July cookout. Go there for the ribs, dry ribs, wet ribs. They're all fantastic at the Oxford Exxon. Plus, they've got daiquiris, great uh, snacks, beer, soda. It's always clean. Everything you could want, plate lunches, everything there at the Oxford Exxon Speed Pass Plus app where you can fill up uh, touchless there at the Oxford Exxon Highway 6 West in Oxford. I'm coming to you from the Clark Ford Studios, Clark Ford's in Amory, Mississippi, 662-257-1900. Call that number. Ask for Corey Clark. Tell Corey what Ford product you're looking for, and he will send you a quote within 15 minutes in business hours. It's right to the bottom line. There's no hassle, no haggle. You get your quote, and the rest is up to you. You can shop that quote around, or you can do what I've done, what I recommend that you do, and let's hop into a Clark Ford today. 662-257-1900. Chris Lee, Ryan Brown, and all other guests join us on the Rafters Music and Food Hotline. Rafters Music and Food on the Square in Oxford, Rafters uh, in New Albany, and then this week be a great place to ring in the fourth at uh, Rafters on the Water at Sardis. Big time uh, fireworks display planned for you on the fourth. Be open starting on Wednesday, uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Frozen daiquiris, frozen margaritas, great waterfront views there at Rafters on the Water. Great food selection as well. Just be a wonderful place to enjoy the 4th of July weekend and to ring in uh, the Independence Day with the big fireworks extravaganza there at Rafters on the Water in Sardis. Now here's my conversation, taped it on Sunday morning, my conversation with Chris Lee of VandySports.com and Southeastern14.com. I think you'll enjoy it. Take a listen. Chris Lee of VandySports.com and Southeastern14.com, kind enough to spend some time with me here on a uh, Sunday morning. You'll be hearing this on Monday, but we taped this on Sunday morning around 10 a.m. Central Time. Chris, hope you're having a great weekend. Thanks for spending some time with us. Yeah, it's always fun to join you. So it's not a surprise that Vanderbilt is in the national finals series against Mississippi State. The Mississippi State part might be a little bit of a surprise. The Vanderbilt part isn't. But as you know, and our listeners know, and everyone knows, that is not the story today. It's not about Vanderbilt versus Mississippi State. It's not about can Mississippi State hit Jack Leiter. It's, it's not about that. We're talking about NC State. And what happened to NC State on Friday and Saturday for the people who have um, maybe been deliriously away at the beach and didn't keep up with this on uh, Friday, um, North Carolina State and Vanderbilt were scheduled to play a essentially national semifinal game. NC State was the winner's bracket team, meaning that they needed to win once against Vanderbilt and Vanderbilt would need to beat NC State twice because Vanderbilt lost to NC State earlier in Omaha, so the Commodores were coming out of the loser's bracket, if you will, and they needed to beat NC State twice to get to the championship series. Chris sent me a text on Friday morning saying, hey, there's some rumblings about, and I'm paraphrasing Chris, uh, rumblings about NC State having some COVID issues and whether or not this game's going to get played. Sure enough, Chris was right. That day, uh, the game was delayed for a while because of health and safety protocols. And it was later determined that the game would go on, but NC State would only have, I think it was 13 players 
at their disposal. They were having to put kids in the lineup that normally aren't in the lineup. They were having to play pitchers at positions. It was a mess. NC State played a very courageous game against uh, the uber-talented Kumar Rocker, and uh, Vanderbilt won 3-1, to setting up a winner-take-all game on Saturday. However, at 2 a.m. on Saturday morning, Chris woke up to see this and sent me the Oh My God text. I woke up in the middle of the night and saw it and had my own Oh My God moment. At 2 a.m., the NCAA put out a release that said, due to COVID issues and whatnot, the game would be determined at no contest. NC State would not be allowed to play. And Vanderbilt advanced to the uh, national finals, which begins on Monday night against Mississippi State, who beat Texas on Saturday night. So that's 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 the preamble, Chris, to get us to this moment. You cover Vanderbilt. You know that program well. You've, um, I think you have a you get a ton of respect from Tim Corbin and that Vanderbilt baseball program. You cover it better than anyone. Um, what was your reaction when? as you saw Friday unfold, as you saw Saturday unfold. We'll go there, and then I've got some follow-ups there. But just your thoughts as it happened. Well, just to add one more layer to all this, Vanderbilt wins a crazy game against Stanford to get here, where it's down a run, and Stanford throws its best starting pitcher into the game. He's running out of gas, and it finally runs out when he throws a wild pitch to give Vanderbilt a walk-off win. So there's already this feeling that Vanderbilt has sort of, um, you you know, won with a little bit of help to get there anyway, right? And then Friday comes, and you've got that spectacle where North Carolina State's got 13 players. It's got four available pitchers. The two kids it pitched, you know, had a combined, what, 20 innings? I think they'd walked about as many as, as they'd thrown innings. Not an ideal scenario, and you, you look over, there's a dugout with four people in it, and, and a dugout with how many ever on the other side, and and I think, frankly, it, it flipped the roles a little bit, instead sure. of Vanderbilt, um, Vanderbilt's already under a lot of pressure, right, and then at that point, nobody expected North Carolina State to win, not with Kumar Rocker on the mound. Now, we'll say this, NC State still had five or six pretty good hitters in that lineup, right? Uh, several really good ones, and in a low-scoring game, one guy hitting a bomb can change the outcome in spite of all that stuff. It's a 3-1 game that never happened, and I think the shame of it to me, looking at it from a Vanderbilt standpoint, is probably that took a lot of credit away from Kumar Rocker for a pretty gritty effort that really sort of got lost in the headlines. But it, it was a weird thing to begin with. You've already got Everybody going in thinking the baseball gods have done Vanderbilt a favor. By the way, the Stanford game, by the way that ended, you complicate that. You add another layer to it with the 13-player spectacle on Friday. And then, of course, I wake up on Sunday morning to news that I, I can't say it was entirely unexpected, but, my God, you, you hope there was another way to do this, right? I don't really understand why we are at this point with things and, and why that necessitates a game being canceled. But those are the rules, and, and here we are. And it's just – I've covered a lot of strange things, Neil, as well as you have, but I've never covered anything quite like the last three or four days. What role, if any, did Vanderbilt play in this? There's, there's rumblings out there that 
two unvaccinated NC State players. And I'll be honest, Chris, I'm I hate this vaccinated, unvaccinated label that so many in the media uh, rejoice in. It's almost like, oh, the unvaccinated, the unwashed. It's like, well, hold up. We can, I mean, there's, there's, there's more layers to that than, than this. Anyway, there are rumors that, hey, those two guys were unvaccinated. They te- one tested positive. One was contact traced and tested negative, by the way. And then that led to the entire team being tested. There are, there are rumors that Vanderbilt asked for the – those tests to be conducted. Do you know whether there's any veracity to that? I don't know. And, and by the way, if you want to get into the vaccinated slash unvaccinated thing, I've got some opinions on that too. That, sure. That aren't getting, I think, a lot of public airing by our our media. Well, you know why they don't get the aired. Let me let me let me interrupt you and tell you why they don't get aired. And this is at Kendall Rogers and at Aaron Fit and and Dan Wolkin and all of these people that that suck at the tit of the NCAA. And it's a, make no mistake, and Kendall says, oh, you don't want any part of me? Oh, Kendall, for the love of God. This is a quid pro quo. They get this level of access. I mean, I know people in the Rivals Network who said, oh, to hell with it, and went home. Um, There was no access at all. They get access. They get taken care of. And in return, make no mistake, they carry the water. They carry all of the water. There is no critical analysis on the part of any of those national reporters that I just mentioned as it pertains to this decision. There's no one questioning it at all because the moment you question it, you lose your access. We make jokes about, I do, you, you might not, Chris, I do. I make a lot of jokes about St. Elmo's and the, and the, the shrimp cocktail in Indianapolis. That Understand that's a metaphor. They, they get... They get taken care of. And in return, they tote the mail. All of it. That's why that happens. There's no one willing to, outside of a handful of people who are big enough to just not care, there's no one willing to say, wait a minute. But why? Why are we testing? Did Link Jarrett die? Was he bad sick? It's been a year and a half now. There was a lot of fear about, oh, you know, and fear-mongering about, oh, these young people are going to die. We stopped the season in 2020. Stopped it in March. Stopped it. We could have played that season. But what bugs me, Chris, really bugs me, is this exact same tournament, there's no limit on fans. We're letting all the fans in, and good. I'm glad. It looks like it's, it's been a great tournament. The fans have had a blast. It's great for the game, for people like you that love college baseball. And, hey, frankly, I've spent more watch, I've watched more college baseball this year than I ever have. For people like you that love college baseball, this has been a great tournament up until this. The games were great. You mentioned the Vanderbilt-Stanford uh, game. Uh, both Texas-Mississippi State games were phenomenal. Um, this is an NC State team. That went to Ruston. I'm from Ruston. They went to Ruston. I know how big of a deal it was there. I know how emotional and jam-packed the stadium was and all that stuff. They went into Ruston and just cruised, man. They just cruised through that regional. They go to Fayetteville. 
Arkansas was number one in the, most of the polls three quarters of the year. They go to Fayetteville. They get beat by 19 runs in the first game. So you got to think at that moment, oh, boy, they're in trouble. What do they do? They beat Arkansas at Baum two days in a row, take Arkansas's best shots, and Arkansas's a damn good team, take Arkansas's best shots in what can be a pretty hostile, intimidating environment to win that Super Regional, to knock the Hogs out. Then they go to Omaha and they win two in a row, including beating Vanderbilt. They deserved an opportunity to play for their championship. They deserved an opportunity to either win or to lose on the field where you gather out in the outfield at these, that, that moment when, it's, when you realize it's over and you gather out in the outfield and the coach tells you how proud he is and you admit that, hey, you just came up short against a, a superior opponent. Your fans stay and cheer. You hug each other. Everybody has a few tears. You go back to the hotel, and there's a kind of a moment of kind of bittersweet. They didn't get that. They got cheated out of that. And no one's willing to ask why. Take a break in the show to tell you about Community Mortgage, located in Oxford, Memphis, DeSoto County, and Chattanooga. All underwriting and processing is done in Memphis, so you're getting local underwriting to understand your market, a leader in condo financing, the float down option, and more. You can find Jason at 662 634-2704 or J-L-O-W-E at communitymtg.com. We're also brought to you by Northeast Spark. That's N-E-S-P-A-R-C.com with uh, Northeast Spark. You know, you're getting the best internet around here in the Lafayette County area. I've got it in my home. We've got it in the Clark Ford studio. You get the 100 Mbps or you get the Blaze, the one gig that does power the Clark Ford studio. We've had no issues Spark here in Oxford. Phone service available as well. Parental controls, network security, and more. It's going in more neighborhoods every single day, every single week. So call, find out if it's there for you. If so, you're going to get download speeds much faster than you're used to if you're not using Spark. Again, 662-238-3159. Podcast also brought to you by Tyson Drugs and G&M Pharmacy. Remember, if you're a state or a school employee, who uh, has an insurance provider who is using CVS Caremark. That is a pharmacy benefit manager. Don't be confused with CVS Pharmacy. Not the same thing. I know the logo looks the same, but if you're using a uh, CVS Caremark uh, provider, you do not have to change anything. You're still good with Tyson Drugs. You're still good with GNM. So really just encouraging you to uh, you know use a local independent pharmacy like GNM, like Tyson Drugs. You're going to receive exceptional services, competitive prices, and you support local business in the process as well. So find out more about that as well as how they deliver locally in the area, 662-236-2222. And with uh, the summer still going on, check out Visit Oxford, visitoxford.com slash events to see all the different events going on every day, every week here locally if you're in town or you're a local that's here all the time. The Good Night Market is at the Old Armory Pavilion. That's Friday, July 2nd, so take advantage of that. As well as uh, the annual fireworks show, July 4th. Those are going to be over Oxford High School, so you can park anywhere kind of along that cyst, that Oxford High area, for fireworks on Sunday, July 4th, and just uh, something to put in your calendar moving forward. July 17th, end of all music, record store day there again, Saturday, July 17th. Visit OxfordMS.com slash events. Um, you, you and I could do a three- to four-hour podcast <laughs> from here and never mention a baseball team or a baseball player again. And I'm, I'm sitting here scribbling down notes uh, to kind of pick my spots of things to respond to. 
and, and there's several of them. First of all, I, I think it's tragic that the game, that, that might be a hard word. Tragic should be reserved maybe for some other things. I think it's a crying shame that the game was not played and NC State did not get a fair opportunity. And there is a side out there that says, well, they knew the rules and they should have followed the rules and they knew the consequences of not doing so by not getting vaccinated, which I certainly understand and respect a lot of points in that argument. Um, I will say this, okay? Um, and, and then again, there's there's several points that we can go for and, and several questions that you've asked me that I have not answered yet, but I'll just give you part of a response and then we can either go from there or circle back to some other stuff. But here's my thing. You're right. The hypocrisy of a lot of this stuff is just right in front of us, okay? Um, the, the coverage of college baseball on a national level and some of the guys that you mentioned are my friends and I I do think they do their good jobs and do their best and, and sometimes you never know what goes through people's head it's hard to be a lone wolf in this business I agree uh, completely no and, and you know the conversations you and I have had about me on this beat in the last year sometimes there's only so far you can go with stuff but I, the, the hypocrisy that I woke up thinking about Saturday morning was this when the whole pandemic started, our justification for shutting down anything and everything, there were several, but one of them among not just the fact that you could get other people sick, which, by the way, that was perfectly legitimate. I think we have to think in terms of our neighbors in a lot of situations, uh, but that also goes a lot of different ways that that crowd was not willing to go towards. So there's that. But one of the justifications for this, Neil, was we need to wait and see what we're dealing with and how dangerous this thing is. I think everybody suspected it was dangerous unless you were just off on one of those remote political cliffs that people in our society on both sides put themselves on. Sure. But I think if you were looking at this realistically, okay, that that is fair. We don't know. Life takes twists and turns that we don't know are going to take, and I don't think that was unreasonable. Agreed. Now, now you know as well as I do, did once we started getting answers, the goalposts got moved. But that's that's a whole other thing. Here's where I'm going to go with this, okay? If on one hand you're going to tell people that we need to wait and see what the severity of this virus is, to me where I have a difficult time with that, you didn't get vaccinated and shame on you, you knew the consequences, and now you must bear them. The problem with that is that where's the courtesy to people who want to see what effect the different vaccines have? And I'm talking people who aren't at risk, right, which is mostly younger, healthier people, which is who are playing these games. How can you in one breath condemn people for the things you condemn them for but on the other hand, not be willing to give them. And, and by the way, I say this as a guy who's been vaccinated. And I say this as a guy with a wife who is a nurse practitioner and a darn good one. To me, I think that there is another side of this. And again, I got vaccinated and I think that's probably what the players should have done. But you cannot pass sweeping judgment in my mind the way we did one year to 16 months ago and not give some benefit of the doubt or opinion 
to the people that are saying, no, wait a minute, I want to see if this vaccine has harmful side effects. I might have a special case of this or that. And maybe I don't want to take the vaccine because I'm afraid it puts me at risk for this or that or some things that I'm not thinking about. That's the part that I don't understand is why do those people not get the same courtesy that other people do? And, and let's go beyond that a minute, okay? Let's say that your response to that is, well, it's a public health and safety measure. Okay, yes, it is. But who is it killing? Who is it affecting? Neil, we just had a guy die of Tommy John surgery. A, a pitcher at George Mason had Tommy John surgery. I know, had complications. A week ago yeah. And had complications and got killed. My, my answer to some of that is yes. There's always risk and things like that that you can say, well, let's need, let's wait. There is risk in every aspect. Of, there's risk in getting on a bus and in a plane to go to Omaha. You got an entire Marshall football team killed, what, in 1970. We didn't stop all travel to sporting events for that reason. I don't have a problem with people bringing up the risks and the issues, especially for the ones who have pure motives, and there are plenty of people in this discussion that do. But the way that we weigh the risks and ignore the evidence for this versus the way we treat everything else, there's just a huge disconnect. And if you're being intellectually honest, I think I think you know that. Yeah, there's no doubt. There's a there's. You know, to me and you're right, when this thing first happened, we didn't know there was lots of fear. I remember being scared. I remember going to get my daughter from college and, and being scared. I remember, uh, you know, her her best friend uh, and her roommate, um, her dad, who's become a really good friend of mine, and I met in Fayetteville to help move them out of the dorm. And I remember seeing each other at the hotel that night. And we're like, do we shake hands? Do we do we give each other a hug like we normally would? What what do we do? You know, are we okay going to dinner? I mean, there were all these questions, right? We were listening to a podcast on the way to Fayetteville on that whatever that day that was, March the 12th, thir- no, yeah, March the 12th, heading up that way and listening to a pot, to a podcast with, um, it was a professor, I think from the university of Minnesota who it was scary. You know, I thought, what are we going to do? And I talked to a guy in New York who said, there's not going to be a football season. There might be, might, we might go two football seasons. It was the beginning of all of this fear. And, and a lot of, like you said, a lot of that fear was legitimate. My complaint is here we are a year and a half later, though, essentially, and now we know better. Thank God. Yeah. Thank God we had a football season and nobody died. We had a basketball season and nobody died. We had a baseball season and nobody died. Young, we, we now know. We don't, we don't think it. We know it. Young people aren't affected by this. Yeah, they might get sick. They might get might have a bad week but that's where the part when people push back on this that's fine that is kind of like the flu now for older people different deal and i'm one of these people that and i'm vaccinated i had covid and i'm vaccinated my wife's vaccinated my parents are vaccinated some of my girls friends are vaccinated some aren't I don't judge those who are, and I don't judge those who aren't. It's a personal decision. And while it's certainly likely that if you get more than likely, it's it's highly statistically likely that if you get vaccinated, you're going to be fine. 
there is some risk that's out there if you get vaccinated that's at least being discussed right now. And I don't blame a 20-year-old, male or female, who looks at that and says, okay, so I'm making a risk-reward analysis here. What is my risk of COVID? If I get COVID, what is my risk? Well, it's incredibly low. I mean, statistically non-existent, frankly. What is my risk if I get vaccinated? Well, if, if it even registers, if it even blips, that's more risk than you. Does that make sense? You are taking in, in, in terms of you're taking unnecessary risk. So I don't like the idea of punishing young people. And we absolutely punished NC State. Punishing young people for a decision that makes rational sense. And I can't stand the immediate pushback with, well, they knew the consequences. They knew the deal. It's a, what did Wolken say? It's a competitive advantage for your team to be vaccinated. He's he's probably right in this case, unfortunately. But but that doesn't. Thing, but I, he, I he's he's accurate. Yeah. But that's not right. No. Does no, that make sense? Not. He's not. That's 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 crazy that we're doing this to young people. That we're saying, well, hey, it, you it, know, let, you, let it, me stop. The, the media, our field, is responsible for some of this because you and I know good and well there are people in our field that have the conversations that you and I have privately, there are people in my neighborhood that have the conversations that you and I have privately. But when everything is controlled, and I don't want to sound conspiratorial, right? I don't want to go off a cliff here, but the the fact is you're right. There aren't enough people that push back against this. The, The way, and this is always what I come back to, it is the way we weigh risk in this situation against the way we weigh risk in every other situation. And if we treated life the way we treat this, and, and look, if if there is a variant of this that turns out to be incredibly harmful and we should have known we should have taken more precautions, then, then this won't age well. And, and, and sure, I'm not a health and safety expert. And I, I do not want to see anybody die. If, if there is a risk to all of us in this that's out there that we should know and recognize, that, that I'm fine with acknowledging that changes the way that we do things. Sure. But right now we don't know that. And the way we treat this risk and the way we let it dictate everything that we say and do is just so out of whack compared to the way that we live our lives otherwise. I mean, if you took that approach with everything, Neil, you you wouldn't go to the mailbox because a a tree limb could fall and hit you in the head. Um, You you wouldn't drive anywhere because you could die in a car wreck. We take risk in every aspect of our lives. And, oh, by the way, when we sit in our house and do nothing and get paralyzed, that brings on a whole different set of circumstances with health. Uh, physical health, mental health, and we saw the consequences of that. But that's not put on the same scale as everything else is, and I just think that's where we have a real problem in society. And, And frankly, when you have a lot of people who have that opinion and you cannot express that opinion without getting shouted down, penalized, whatever 
whatever you want to put to that. Canceled. That's that's a good word. I think that that has put our society in a really bad place. What I don't like about what we've done being in the media is I think where we've done something irresponsible is you mentioned a variant where there's been so much uh, hyperbole as it pertains to the virus that if there's ever in the immediate future, whether it's a variant or a, a new coronavirus or whatever, a new, whatever new um, pandemic related health concern, I don't think the majority of the American public's going to listen. I think it's the no, boy, it's the no, boy that cried not, wolf that's the problem. It's the yeah. boy that cried wolf. And that's, that's on us because there's, the, here's the part. And I saw Dave Portnoy say this, saw Clay Travis say this, the people that get, crucified by the hard left. But I kind of think they're right here. I don't know how you can say, hey, it's, we got to test these players. It's not safe for them to play. And then the next night, or actually that exact night, 24,000 people cram into that stadium to watch a great game between Mississippi State and Texas. We don't know how many of those people are vaccinated. Are some vaccinated? Sure. Is everyone vaccinated? I highly doubt it. Do we know that everyone that attended that game last night was had no symptoms? I don't know that. Is it conceivable that someone in the stadium last night is COVID positive and had symptoms and is therefore contagious? I wouldn't want to bet against it possible the oxford exxon podcast is brought to you by grenada nissan if you're in the market for a nissan vehicle grenada Nissan's the place to go they've got a complete selection of new and previously owned nissan vehicles great lease deals as well it's grenada nissan usa.com also brought to you by the oxford park commission if you want to play some adult kickball you can do it but you gotta the deadline to register is on july the 4th Grab some friends, join for an adult kickball league at M-Trade Park this summer. The cost to play is $125 per team. No limit to roster size. The season will run from July the 7th through August the 4th. The deadline to register, like I said, is July 4th. Go to OxfordParkCommission.com for more details. We're brought to you by Pinpoint Commercial Real Estate based out of Jackson, Mississippi. Pinpoint uh, services the entire state in all commercial asset classes such as retail, office, industrial, and land. Sam Cox and B.B. Mitchell are Ole Miss graduates, and they utilize their unique skill sets to execute on assignments and increase value for the clients. Pinpoint's core services include tenant representation, site selection, acquisition, and disposition of income-producing assets, development, and occupancy for landlords as well. Uh, Pinpoint takes pride in its attention to detail, professionalism, and uh, hard work. For all your commercial real estate needs, please give Sam and BB a call at 601-586-3220. Blue Delta Jeans makes the best-fitting, most comfortable jeans in the world because they are uniquely made for you and only you. Raw denim jeans, custom-fit, hand-tailored in Tupelo, Mississippi. One size fits one at bluedeltajeans.com. Also brought to you by Lamons Fine Jewelry in Oxford. Lamons is at 1126 North Lamar Boulevard. They've been serving the Oxford area for almost 75 years, from engagement rings to wedding rings to fine jewelry, watches, pearls, fashion jewelry, children's jewelry, collectibles, and more. Lamons is the gold standard in fine jewelry. You can visit them at LamonsFineJewelry.com or call them at 
234-2777. And we're brought to you by Comer Heating and Air. It's the name you can trust with more than 50 years of professional HVAC experience in Oxford, Tupelo, and the surrounding area. 662-801-1777 for all of your heating and cooling needs. Again, Comer Heating and Air, 662-801-1777. And we're brought to you by the College Corner. It's one-stop Rebel Shop, two locations in the Jackson area. In uh, Ridgeland, uh, the College Corner is right next door to uh, Fleet Feet. And in Flowood, it's next to Half Shell. If you don't live in Jackson, that's okay. Go to collegecornerstore.com. Plus, you can find them on Facebook and Instagram. So whether you're tailgating in Oxford or home gating with friends and family, the College Corner has you covered for game day with the largest selection of Rebel gear in central Mississippi. And we're brought to you by Pinnacle. Pinnacle based in Madison, Mississippi. They've got clients in more than 20 states, advisors in multiple states as well. Founded in 1997, Pinnacle provides detailed, specialized investment management, financial planning, retirement planning for individuals and businesses, and much more. At Pinnacle, investing is treated like a commodity, and decisions are made using objective information and research, not emotions. So regardless of your level of wealth, Pinnacle will sit down with you, listen to your goals, study your expenses, and put forth a comprehensive, detailed financial and retirement plan built just for you. Cookie-cutter financial planners put you in a box. Pinnacle builds a box just for you. To learn more, go to Pintrust.com. That's P-I-N-N, Trust.com. Neil, if you want to boil it down to two things, I, I think it's really simple. Uh, I think that as a society in, in terms of who controls things, whether that's media or entities, there's a glaring lack of intellectual honesty. And outside of that, just an inability to pick a lane. And I really think that sums most of it up. Yeah, I do too. Um, let me get back to baseball in a minute. One of the things that's become obvious, though, is that and, – and Greg Sankey, who I'm a big fan of, I really am. I thought Greg Sankey navigated the pandemic. I've talked about this. I, I feel almost indebted to the commissioner of the SEC. I don't know about you, but I do. I know how close we came as a, um, as a society to, to canceling sports in August – I know how much pressure there was on Greg Sankey to go along with the Pac-12 and the Big Ten at that time and cancel. I have a feeling it would have been very detrimental to my job, to yours, to my income, to yours. Greg Sankey showed great courage, foresight, resilience to take the approach that he did, and I'm indebted to him for it. That said, he was on Feinbaum on Friday afternoon as we watched the the first NC State Vanderbilt game play out with the 13 players and all that that you mentioned. And he said, hey, Paul, I've told the coaches in, in our league, especially the head coaches, referring to the 14 head football coaches, there's two ways to avoid a disruption and, and, a, and a, essentially a forfeit. One is don't get COVID, and two is to have everybody vaccinated. And I was disappointed in that. Not because he's wrong. I know technically he's right. I wish somebody would step up and say, hey, wait a minute. It's been a minute, and we now know a lot. And it's intellectually dishonest for us to have, what does Bryant Denny hold now, 105? 105,000 people at Bryant Denny, shoulder to shoulder, 
107,000 people at Tiger Stadium in Baton Rouge, shoulder to shoulder. 88,000 in Athens, 86,000 at Auburn. I'm just making, I, I can't remember how many, how many people these stadiums hold. 62,000 in Oxford and 60,000 in Starkville. And I think it's 68 to 70 in Fayetteville. I mean, can you imagine the crowd that's going to be there for Arkansas, Texas? Uh, you know, I mean, you, you, it's, it's, it's intellectually dishonest for us, Paul. To have those people, we're not testing them. We don't know what their vaccination status is. There's no way for us to do do that. We're going to open up the stadiums, but we're going to punish the players. We're going to test the players. We're going to force the players to do something we're not forcing the public to do. Even though the players are at far less risk, statistically and scientifically, than the majority of the people that are crowding the stadiums. I don't know why someone in a position of authority and Sankey's one of these people, can't say, at least at this point, maybe this changes, maybe a variant or whatever leads to us having to go back to a different policy. But at least at this point, I don't know why we're testing anymore. I don't know why we're testing young people. I don't think it's necessary. I don't know why we can't have more of a policy of, look, if you're sick, stay home. I don't know why we're testing. I really don't. It makes no sense. We're testing young people. If you're – and the, the, the NC State thing, I mean, four of the players who tested positive were vaccinated. What is the standard on, on the, the PCR test? How many times are they spinning it? How, are, is it? Is it just leftover virus or is it is it active virus in their bodies? We don't know the answer to any of these questions. And you're not going to know how all 106,000 people at Bryant-Denny for Alabama's home opener, you're not going to know their, their COVID status. I don't understand why it is so hard to say, I know this is callous but it's over. It's time to get back to normal. It's time to move on. We think that we're there. And because privately, and you know this, and I'm going to be careful how I do this, but I've, I get, I get feedback from people privately. They agree with me. Yeah. Look, the, the cost publicly of having some opinions look I, I I I'm with you I wish Greg Sankey would have come out stronger I, I think you need bold leaders at times and I think that's the only way we ever make progress with stuff but he laid up in that case and from a human standpoint I get it right because if he comes out and he says what you and I wish he had said then what happens? He basically does not win anything, right? But let's let's say something goes wrong in a way that we can't anticipate. Sure. Everybody and their brother in the media is going to come for his head and his job. And I, so by my way of thinking, he, he made the statement – that I think had the least consequence for him in that situation, because I think he's in a no-win situation. And then this is where it goes back on the media for not being more intellectually honest, because at the end of the day, Greg Sankey, if he's right about all this with all the gambles he made, which it appears he was, uh, certainly he was in playing football, none of the people that are going to jump down his case 
if this takes an unexpected term, turn are going to come back and say, you know, Greg Sankey was right and we were wrong. Nobody that's going to criticize him if something takes a turn for the worst is going to back him up if he's right. It's a great point. It's one of the problems with media right now is that it's it's an inability to say, hey, we were wrong. I mean, I, I, I give you an example. Last week, when or two, at least track of days, Chris, when we believed, based on our sourcing, that Mike Bianco was going to be LSU's next baseball coach. And we didn't report it in those words. We never said he had an offer. We sort of believed that maybe he had an offer, but weren't sure that we thought an offer was we thought an offer was coming. We thought he was going to get the job. We were wrong. I did I said it. I posted on the board. Hey, it was bad reporting. It was bad journalism. I missed it. I was wrong. Now, could I make a I mean, you know, I could make a bunch of excuses for it. I know why I was wrong. I know who the sourcing was. I can't reveal the sourcing, but if people knew my sourcing, they'd be like, oh yeah, well, that's I see why you thought that. Um, Bianco was absolutely a candidate. He was absolutely in it. He absolutely interviewed for the job. In hindsight, probably should have seen that that he was getting played by Scott Woodward and that Woodward was never going to hire Mike Bianco, and I probably should have been a little more strong on that aspect of it. But I said I was wrong. And I got kind of beat up for it, frankly. And I look around, and you're right. There's a, there's a, in, in our field, nobody wants to say they were wrong. And so as this COVID thing goes on and on and on, and nobody can go, hey, it wasn't as bad as we thought it was going to be as it pertains to young people, as it pertains to young, fit athletes. Thank God. But now that we know, we don't have to do this anymore, at least not for now. Can't say that. Because that's admitting wrong, and it's also admitting that you carried this this far because you had an agenda. Yeah, look, I think the worst trait of our profession is the complete and total lack of humility. And I think one reason this has been propagated as long as it has been is it's a way to soft-pedal people into the truth of a lot of people were just wrong about this. And we went too far with some things. And if if you admit that, that requires humility. And there's a lot of people in our profession that just don't have it. Um, to, to what you just said, I've been on the side of that. You know how as a journalist, you can be right about something in the moment, about ultimately wrong. We have all been there. If we let everything paralyze us all the time, um, over the course of as long as you've done this, you're going to have that happen to you. At some point. And if you let that dictate everything you say or the, or the things that you say. And look, you and I know you can say things to people that are equivalent of water cooler talk. And I think that's what a lot of people want. Uh, okay, I'm, I'm sitting next to you at the water cooler at the office. Hey, Neil, what do you think about this? We have a conversation about it, right? That's different than reporting. And I think you can make that distinction. And people want to know those things. And I had my own moment with that where I thought I knew where Vanderbilt was going with the football coaching search. And then you find out later the person that holds the cards in that usually is not the person that ultimately holds the cards in that. Um, and, and then that's where the story changes a little bit. But all that to say, we've, we've all been there. 
I think if our field, and not just our field with sports media, but just in general, I think if we all had a little bit more humility, or maybe a lot more, I think we would all serve our customers better. And I think that the truth in things, because ultimately what we're, what we're doing, a lot of what we do does not change the world. And we're not claiming that it does. But there are people in other parts of our field where what they do does change the world. And it's like you said earlier, the trust in the media has gotten to the point to where if there is a varying or something that's harmful, a lot of people have just tuned it out because there hasn't been honesty and that's a really dangerous place for us to be. All right, last thing, then we're going to get back to the baseball because I, I do have some baseball questions and I want to get your thoughts on the series coming up. Do you think the way that the reaction has been to this episode, which is pretty polarized, but I think the majority of people, certainly the majority of people in athletics, feel really bad for NC State, don't really like the way this played out, they aren't particularly happy with it, Obviously, football's the big money maker, and it's coming right around the corner. Do you think this might lead to a little change in policy? Do you think behind the scenes, the decision makers are going to say, hey, we might need to tweak this? Or do you think they're going to say, nope, these are our protocols. This is what we are going to do. Come hell or high water, this is where we are going with this moving into football season. Well, I think that the question is answered in what dictates things. Is it going to be dictated by truth and science, or is it going to be dictated by egos um, and, and opinions and, and the need to, to lord it over people? I think if you answer that question, I think you answer the question you asked. Yeah, I wish I knew that answer. I mean, my, my gut is that we the egos rule and that we do this in the fall and that we, we repeat this story with some game in October with, you know, we do it again. Where it's the question that's media days is going to be dominated by every coach being asked about the vaccination rate on his team. That's going to be one of the big storylines. Hey, Coach Kiffin, Coach Leach, Coach Orgeron, Coach whoever – what percentage of your players have been vaccinated? Have you been vaccinated? And I'll be interested to see the responses. I suspect the responses will be, you know, really don't want to get into that. Don't that's a privacy issue on our team. It's something we talk about, et cetera, but it's coming. We did this last year and I guess we're going to do it again. So shame on us. Yeah, and, and I, I think frankly, people are just ready to get back to talking sports again. Um, well, they are, as evidenced by the crowds at these games. Right. I mean, look. I mean, I got on on Friday night. I turned on Cubs Dodgers in Los Angeles. There were forty nine thousand people there. I, I watched Yankees Red Sox uh, the other day. It's packed. Fans are rejoicing. I mean, look around. The NBA ratings are up again after. The NBA ratings were were had cratered. People because the fans are back. It looks like basketball. It sounds like basketball. It's good basketball. It's ooh, Devin. Now we're talking. We're not talking about COVID with the NBA. We're talking about Devin Booker and Giannis Antetokounmpo and 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 DeAndre Ayton. And we're talking about players again. We're talking about storylines again. New teams. It's exciting. People like sports. People like I said. People look forward to getting back into the Grove on September the 11th. 
People were excited about Texas going to Arkansas on September the 11th for that game at uh, Reynolds Razorback. People were excited about Alabama. Is it Alabama-Miami and Ole Miss-Louisville? And uh, People were fired up about Georgia-Clemson. They, they don't want to talk politics and COVID. They want to talk about the football game. They want to be distracted again. That's what sports is supposed to be, and they're ready for it. You can see the numbers bear that out. You know, I'm – I'm going to respond this way. You and I are roughly the same age. And when we grew up, sports was about sports. It didn't evolve into all these little wormholes. It's gone down. And if I have one wish for our profession, it's that it returns to what we grew up with. Yeah, that's what the fans want. That's what our readers want. I mean, I get the. I understand the pushback. Like, why do you keep talking about politics? Why do you keep talking about Because it's what's impacting. It's, it's what's... Again, at Media Days, there are a lot of storylines. That's going to be a big one. It's not one I'm excited about. I'm excited about the football storylines. Like, I'm covering a football team that is really interesting. The football team. I don't want to waste time talking about COVID protocols. I'm curious to see football stuff. Um, so, Vanderbilt. Mississippi State. First, let me ask this: How much is this tainted now by what happened? How much, how much momentum did, if if any, did college baseball lose with what happened over the weekend? Oh, it probably depends on the the colors you're wearing today. Um, you know, the, the truth is, Vanderbilt was going to have a hard time winning two games. The way it is hitting, and the way that NC State. Can, can hit. Uh, that lineup was one of the best five in college baseball, and Arkansas found that out. Although it, Arkansas also found out that team could pitch a little bit too, which I don't know that we necessarily expected. But here, here's where I'm going, okay? When they left that Stanford game, my gut was they win with Rocker on the mound Friday they're probably going to have to piece it together on Saturday if they're going to win the whole thing. Because if you throw lighter in that spot, then you don't have him for a championship series. Uh, and then you have to come back with Rocker probably on Wednesday and hope you can get one of the first two in between. That was always going to be a tough uh, needle to, to thread there. But having said that... Uh, you know they've done it so far. They've lost one game in the postseason. That was one nothing. You know the bats I think are are due to hit better than they have. Um, of course, I keep saying that every game. So I haven't said that. I, I thought it was a tough hill for them to climb, but you look at the arms they've got coming out of their bullpen too, and it was possible that they could have been good enough to do it anyway. Uh, and I think the people that want to hold it against them probably will. I think the people who can see through that and say they had arms and baseball being baseball, anything could happen, are probably going to take that stance. Um, I, I don't know. I didn't feel great about their chances leaving the Stanford game. Uh, but but here we are, and you, you play the cards you're dealt. So this series, this uber-talented Vanderbilt team that's that's tough, and they're, they're better. They're more than talented. I said this the other day on a podcast. We were talking about Vanderbilt and – you know, everybody does the whole scholarship thing, and, and, and yeah, there's an advantage or whatnot, but they don't get enough credit for just how gritty they are. And now they're going up against a Mississippi State team that is, they're very talented, 
They've got good arms, and they're gritty as hell. I mean, they Chris Lamonis has done such a good job, such a great job at Mississippi State, taking different types of teams through a season and getting them to Omaha. And here they are, two wins from a national championship. And their their games against Texas were just classics. Both of them were just great baseball games. I would assume Vanderbilt has a bit of a advantage here because State had to use a lot of their arms just to get through Texas. Vanderbilt has a fresh lighter on Monday. They can go back to Rocker on Wednesday in a game three if it goes that far. It looks from the outside looking in, this is probably advantage Commodores going into this. Do you agree? Well, the thing that I told people when they're saying – when Vanderbilt fans are asking me, what do you pull for from a Vanderbilt standpoint? If you're Vanderbilt, what do you want to see? And what I said was, I think you want to see two 18-inning games on, on Friday and Saturday. It didn't happen. I was kind of joking about that. But I also said what you want is you probably want Texas to win this thing on Friday because it's got more pitching. Uh, and then that forces another game where State has to throw Will Bednar, who is far and away state's best starting arm and therefore you probably burn him for the championship series if if that's what happens that's exactly what happened um state's gonna have to go i would presume christian mcleod on monday and he's really talented but he also doesn't locate his stuff very well his lines lately have not been very good no vanderbilt right now that lineup doesn't have a lot of confidence uh, and so it's anybody's guess what happens. But I think for Vanderbilt, it played out in an ideal way because I think that Texas's quality of pitching depth is better. I think Texas was set up better for a reset uh, this coming week than was State after State threw Bednar. Uh, so I, I think that Vanderbilt's the favorite in this just because I think the pitching sets up better. And, oh, by the way, Vanderbilt didn't have to play that Saturday game. So now you've got Murphy, Maldonado, and McIlvain rested. Those are their three relievers who I think in all the talk of Rocker and Lighter have gotten overlooked. That bullpen's been terrific, especially the Murphy-Maldonado end of it. And I just think look, nothing is guaranteed in baseball. And all the time when you see, you know, oh, things are set up great for them, uh, which that appeared to be the case for 2015 when Vanderbilt faced an undermanned Virginia team. Virginia pulled the upset. So there's always uh, that's baseball component to it. They can turn it on its end. But if you look at it from how the talent and the pitching sets up, I think that the way it's set up for Vanderbilt, um, really from Friday morning on, uh, my goodness, it played to their advantage in a way that nobody could have seen coming. The Oxford Exxon Podcast, also brought to you by John Edwards of Regency Travel Incorporated in Memphis. John's part of Virtuoso. It's a worldwide network of travel partners that allows John to supply his clients with added values and unique benefits simply not available to other travelers. John traveled the globe for more than 37 years before getting into the travel business. He knows the extra attention that's needed to make a special trip one that creates a lifetime of unique memories. Just get in touch with John, give him some parameters, give him a budget. He'll give you options, and no, you don't have to live in or near Memphis to take advantage of his services. 901-494-3387 or Edwards at regencytravel.net. First-time clients can save $50 off their first booked trip just by telling John you heard about Regency Travel on the podcast. 
We're also brought to you by Whitney McNutt, Tommy Morgan Incorporated Realtors, serving you for all of your real estate needs in Oxford and Tupelo. Whitney sells condos, land, commercial, and residential family homes. 662-567-2573 or 662-842-3844. And we're brought to you by Alpha Specialties, located at 1670 Highway 80 in Pearl, Mississippi. Alpha Specialties is your trailer-specific professional. If you want to haul it, they can call it at Alpha. It's the premium trailer dealership in Mississippi. They've got Load Trail. It's the premium brand trailer, the highest quality utility equipment dump and gooseneck trailer being built today. They also have Hallmark Cargo Trailers, one of the most quality cargo trailers on the market, perfect for hauling goods to shows and markets, ATVs to deer camp, hauling race cars, and more. They can even work with third parties to have game day trailers and concession trailers built just for you. Uh, For podcast listeners, they've got spare tires and wheels starting at just $100. They also do all types of truck accessories, and they can repair all types of trailers, concession, horse, utility, enclosed, gooseneck, RV, and more. So give them a call at 601-932-9798 or check them out at alphaofms.com. We're also brought to you by The Rogue. The Rogue is your destination for fine men's clothing. Their stylist hand-select pieces from top designers, from work to lifestyle to nightlife. There's the perfect something for everyone at The Rogue. All the best items from Peter Millar, Martin Dingman, Jack Victor, Duckhead, Halsey, True Grit, and more. You can visit them at 4450 I-55 North in Jackson or at therogue.com. And we're brought to you by Joey Erickson at Heron Gear Chevrolet. Let Joey help you find the vehicle you're looking for at a price you can afford. Choose from a full selection of new Chevrolet vehicles or get a great deal on numerous brands of reliable pre-owned vehicles. Give Joey a call or a text on his cell, 662-571-2367. Tell him what you're looking for or stop by 1685 High Street in Jackson to test drive that new or used vehicle you've been wanting. Let him earn your business. And with any purchased vehicle, just mention the Oxford Exxon Podcast or the Soft Verbal Podcast, you get a $50 gas card. And we're brought to you by LB's Meat Market, 2008 University Avenue in Oxford. It's the place to go for the freshest cuts of meat in and around Oxford, whether that's beef or pork or chicken or seafood or the homemade sausages, plate lunches, whatever the case may be. Everything at LB's is absolutely spectacular. The uh, stuffed jalapenos, the stuffed mushrooms, the list just goes on and on. The bacon-wrapped asparagus, it's all incredible uh, quality. You'll absolutely love it. Just go in, stop in, tell Greg Jones that you heard about LBs on the Oxford Exxon podcast or any of our MPW digital network of programs, and he'll throw a little something extra in the bag, and he'll make sure that you leave really excited and happy with everything that you've got coming your way from LBs Meat Market. Vanderbilt's a little bit playing the role of Ivan Drago in this. I mean, the country, outside of Ole Miss fans and Vanderbilt fans, the country is cheering for Mississippi State because they've turned Vanderbilt into the villain. I don't think that's really fair. I I, I wish I did know what role Vanderbilt, if any, played in it, and, and they might not have played any role in what happened on Friday and Saturday. That being said, a lot of Mississippi State people are, are already in Omaha. More will be there. It was certainly a, a pretty vocal Mississippi State crowd against Texas. It's going to be, I would think they'll have more fans there than Vanderbilt. Though Vanderbilt will have a lot of people there. Does that play any role at all? Or, and, and or do the Vanderbilt kids sort of relish this role of the villain? Um, first of all, you, you've asked me a question about three times that I've not answered, and not on purpose. We just keep 
yeah. hitting on other things. We rambled, um, sure. Yeah, uh, on their role in this, look, I was texting with the team source, nobody on the field, but but pretty close to it. And I was getting a lot of, I'm not exactly sure what's going on here, but the NC State dugout just cleared and Rocker's been watered not to, to warm up anymore. I have a hard time um, buying into this narrative that's out there that, that Tim Corbin controls the rules. I, I don't know what happened, uh, but, but again, when I'm, when I'm texting with the team source and there seems to be some confusion and a lot of, hey, this is what's going on, I don't know what it means, that, that tells me it's probably what common sense tells you that it was, was that – um, you know, the NCA made a call somewhere. Now, why it took that long, I don't know. Uh, you know, again, the NC State coach made some comments on Monday about a bug going around the team. Yep. Why at that point uh, that didn't become more of a an actual, hey, looks in, let's look into this and see what it is, I, I can't tell you. So there's part of this that I just can't answer. Um, as far as him becoming the villain, yeah, I mean, it, it's interesting <laughs> covering this from this standpoint, uh, you know, the scholarship thing gets repeated a lot. Um, I, I will say this, and I, I think it's some advantage, but they've had kids that, that pay forty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000 out of pocket a year that play prominent roles. Uh, they, they probably have some that are paying full freight, um, you know, whose parents can afford it. And that's just where they want to go. And when you've got that kind of money, you can do those things. I, I think that, we always look at this in terms of the scholarships. I think if you look at it in terms of how much your kids pan out of pocket uh, for an education, it's going to cost eighty-three thousand dollars a year next year. Uh, you might find that their kids are paying more than anybody's. But the narrative has taken hold that they've got an advantage, uh, and I, I'm sure to some degree that does not hurt them, right? And so that's one thing you've got. Then you've got the Whistler. <laughs> who just poured gasoline on the whole thing? He's horrible. Stop! Oh, He's he so is. bad. It and, and it's it's Neil. It's common courtesy when a bunch of people are saying stop. Please stop. You're 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 bugging my experience in the park. You're bugging my you know you're ruining my experience on TV. Most of us would stop. Why it has come to these years later, I, I can't tell you. I think it's absurd. Has Vanderbilt ever guy, asked like him to stop? Guy, but but it's 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 silly, and it, it it shouldn't be to this point. But here we are, and, and then I think you get the thing that happened, and it, now that now the notion that Vanderbilt is somehow responsible for this, which again I don't I don't find any basis in fact. But you mix those things all together, and, and right now I, I think if, if there's a more hated team in college baseball. Than them, then, then tell me who it is. Oh, no, it's them. I'm curious on the Whistler just real quick. Has Vanderbilt, the institution, Tim Corbin, the program, has anybody ever asked him to stop? I don't think so, and that's what I don't understand. If I were the leadership of the school, I'd, I'd call him in, I'd buy him lunch, I'd say, is there any way we can do this where you, you, you can have – the crown of biggest fan we've got who leads our cheers or whatever, but can we do it with something other than whistling? I don't understand why that's never happened. And to me, a lot of that falls on athletics leadership. Yeah. Every time I hear it, I always think just that like, man, somebody could stop this. 
or could could discourage it to the point that it would stop organically because it it's disconcerting it's uh it's annoying it's and it takes away from a product that is is phenomenal i mean what what you can't no matter where you fall on the whole scholarship thing and what you just said is exactly right and i think it's why tim pushes back sometimes the way that he does yeah, it's an advantage, but Tim's not broken any rules, and it's disingenuous to say that every player on that team is on a free ride. That's not the case. Um, but Tim's built a, an incredible program. He puts tons of guys in the majors. His teams are uh, incredibly consistent, and um, and he's done a remarkable job, and, and it gets I, – sometimes I think the guy whistling takes away from – the ability of people to acknowledge that what the, the job that he's done. I mean, he's built this, what would this be? The third championship? Um, yeah. You know, I mean, well, he's, he's, he's amazing in this, in this league that is, and in the last few minutes, I'm going to get just a couple questions out before we run out of time in this league that just gets better and better and better and better and better. He continues to dominate it. Yeah. And a few things I, I will keep the, the player's name private, but one of the key contributors on their 2019 team, and if I said the name, if you're a college baseball fan, you'd know it. This kid had free rides at other SEC schools, and the family chose to pay $50,000 a year out of pocket for him to go to Vanderbilt because they had the means, and that's what their son wanted. And, and I think a lot of it goes down like that. But what I don't understand, I mean, what he's done is incredible. And you got to remember, before Tim Corbin took over, they had not been to an NCAA tournament since 1980. And he took over in 04, and they've only missed two ever since, and one of them was the first year. I don't care what kind of resources you have. It is incredibly hard to do what he's done. And it's not just winning the titles. It's being every single year. And if people want to talk circumstances, and I don't want to equate these things because – There's an obvious element of life and death that trumps everything, but they almost had this whole thing undone in 2016 by a tragedy that happened the day before they are playing. It wrecked kids on that team forever. It wrecked their postseason that year. They did not really recover from that until they had the trophy in 2019. I was there. I saw the toll that it took. So I know people want to cite the advantages and everything, and I'm not going to tell you you're wrong on every count, but it takes away all these other things have taken away from what he's done, and and there's just no other way to put it. What he's done with that, no matter how you feel about them, it's been incredible. All right, last uh, about four minutes here because you've got to get on a Zoom, and I I want to get you off in time to do it. Quick thoughts on just three or four SEC topics. How much, if at all, in your opinion, from the outside looking in, did Mike Bianco hurt himself at Ole Miss pursuing the LSU job the way that he did? I I think it has to hurt. But if you win and they're in the College World Series next year, something tells me none of this will matter. People will forgive and move on. And if they're not? Uh, if they're not, I just think it's ugly for him. I, I think it, I sense it's already gotten unpleasant. I think Mike Bianco's done a really good job down there. I know they don't have the hardware, but it's hard to be as consistent as he's been. But, but I think, um, the, the cat's sort of out of the bag now. And I have a feeling that discussion is going to continue to dominate Mrs. or excuse me, Ole Miss baseball for a while. If, if he doesn't start winning big. 
I thought Mike Bianco would get the job. Jay Johnson got it, Arizona coach. He's been very successful at Arizona, but no SEC ties whatsoever. What do you expect from him at LSU? I really don't know. He's done well, but it's interesting to note that, you know, the first year he got there, I think he got them to the national title, but they had a couple of leaner years. And then they got back this year, did really well. I, I thought had an, an outstanding team that got to Omaha. Uh, you know, it, it's hard to know what to make of that. I don't know if he was left uh, a bad situation by the previous coach. But, you know, th- there were some lean years in between the first and the last. And that is a job that's not for everybody. You can win at LSU big, but you, you see people crack under the pressure. And to me, it's going to be what he's made of and, and whether he can handle that that's going to determine how big he can win. Tony Vitello gets Tennessee to uh, Omaha. It appears that they are determined to give him what he needs to to make that program a consistent contender. When you look at that situation and you're in that state, their stadium is not not in a good not in a good spot. Is it realistic that Tony Vitello is at Tennessee long term, or do you think this gives him buys him some time to wait out Dave Van Horn in Arkansas and he can replace him there? Hard to say. I think he's in a really good spot. You talk about great jobs. He's done one. He's in a tough spot. I think he's a pretty good fit for them because they've sort of embraced this underdog role. Uh, we're not one of the blue bloods. Um, you know, the, the way they act and carry on a lot of times. And I, I'm not I'm not get off my lawn guy, but you saw the celebrations and, and some of the stuff with the fans. They just approach it a little differently than I think a lot of other schools and fan bases too. It worked for them. I'm not passing judgment. He did a tremendous job. He's got that fan base excited. Uh, to me, if I'm Tony Vitello, I'm thinking hard about leaving there because sometimes the situation just works with your personality. And I think right now that seems to be a situation that, that's working pretty well. And if you go into a job like Arkansas, you're going to have expectations that don't come with the job that you have in Knoxville. And, and, and to me, that's something I consider if I'm him and I get that offer one day. Yeah, his personality kind of fits UT in a way that I'm not sure it would fit Arkansas today. It's interesting. Uh, Jim Schlossnagel leaves Texas Christian. He had a ton of success there. He goes to A&M. Does he make A&M a power, or is this another one of those big names that kind of is fairly disappointing there? I don't know. I wonder about the Texas schools because Texas and Texas A&M never win in the big sports like the expectations are there. Sometimes that comes with a lot of cooks in the kitchen, and you have to deal with stuff that you don't have to deal with at other places. I thought he had a pretty good setup at TCU. He could win big. He could compete for national titles, and I don't think it comes with the expectations that you probably have at Texas A&M. I'm assuming he did his due diligence on that and got all his answers. But just looking from the outside, as good a job as that can be, and I acknowledge that the previous coach didn't do a great job of restocking the cupboard there late in his tenure. But but that's one that I wonder if he's going to look back on and say, I could win pretty big at TCU too without some of the pressure that's going to come at Texas A&M. All right, last thing, who wins the national championship and how many games does it take? I'm going to go Vanderbilt in three. I think the pitching setup works in their favor. They've got to hit at some point, but my goodness, uh, betting against Rocker and Leiter to get them through to this point has been a losing proposition. Uh, They were my favorite before the tournament. 
because of pitching. And I think the way that it sets up for them now has not changed my mind. Chris, I can't thank you enough for an hour of your time on a, a Sunday morning when you've got work to do. And um, enjoy the series. Look forward to uh, seeing you soon. And uh, thanks again. Happy Fourth to you and your family. It's always fun. Thanks for having me. Again, our thanks to Chris Lee for his time on the Oxford Exxon podcast for joining us on the Rafters Music and Food Hotline. We'll have a, another podcast to you here shortly with Ryan Brown. Long uh, discussion with Ryan about SEC football and uh, a lot of the things that are going on with his career, their uh, big media venture that they're taking. He and, and his group, Jim Dunaway, Lance Taylor, the rock star, all those guys in Birmingham. I think you'll enjoy that when you get it uh, later today or early on Tuesday. And then I'm sure uh, Chase has some podcasts planned for you later in the week as we get you up until July the 4th. That does it for me. Be back with you on uh, Monday, July the 5th. All things go according to plan. And uh, we'll start getting you ready for Ole Miss Football 2021, SEC Football 2021. A lot to talk about, a lot to get to. Enjoy your week. Happy 4th. Talk to you later.